Good morning, everybody. I'm just going to put on my timer, or else we could be here for hours. Um, I know I've got Scott in the front to uh, remind me I'm not on Latin American time. <laughs> Start. There we go. It's really lovely to be here. Um, I, as Scott has said, I'm here on furlough right now. I'm on furlough every two years, and I come and I travel around the country, and I'm right at the tail end now. I'm be flying back to Peru on Tuesday. The suitcase is half-packed-ish, um, and it's just really nice to be able to slot in, like shoehorn in um, uh, some time back here in Reading, so it's really good to be here. And this morning, I'm... It might be a bit of an interesting one for you. We'll see. I'm... <laughs> I'm going to share about the work that I do. I work for an organization called the Baptist Mission Society. I'm what they call a mission worker. Um, so I'm going to be sharing about, about that, that work that I do and what it is, because it's, it's an interesting one. It's a bit of a niche one, let's call it that. But also, I'm really wanting to, sh to share something of my testimony of God's faithfulness in the challenges that he gives us, um, and also the efficacy of his word at every step. And I'm... There's a verse that's been really important to me um, for the last two years, but strangely enough, I only came across it a year ago. Um, God's word is amazing. It kind of works retroactively as well as proactively. Um, and if we can just put that um, verse up. You see, about a year ago, um, I was feeling pretty, uh, let's say, emotionally fatigued, should we call it that? Um, I think we all, as we've already heard this morning, we know that we have challenging times in our lives. Um, they can come for all different types of reasons. God also challenges us to do things, and that's not always easy. And we can get worn down, we can get tired and fatigued. And about a year ago, almost to the day, um, I was feeling pretty fatigued. Uh, life had been pretty challenging. I'd relocated in country, in the same country, in Peru. Um, started a very, very different job in a very different context. And it was going okay, but it was just hard work. And I was kind of pretty much on my own there. And then to add to that, I, I came back to the UK briefly for a conference, and I'd planned to have a couple of extra weeks to, to get some R&R, &R, basically. And then my parents had COVID. I was staying with them, so I was mainly just being able to serve them, which at the one hand was wonderful. It was wonderful to be able to be there, actually on hand, to be able to help them. But of course, by the time I left to go back to Peru, I wasn't really feeling desperately renewed, if I'm honest. Um, and uh, I got back, got back to my little apartment, and, and it's a reasonably long journey. It's about minimum 24 hours door to door, and you know, it's not the longest journey in the world. It's not the shortest, and about six hours different. I was a bit muggy-headed. And in comes a little message from the, women's, the, women's, the church women's group. I'm on WhatsApp. WhatsApp is everywhere now, isn't it? Uh, and they were saying, uh, just to remind ladies, just to remind you ladies, we have, uh, we'll be having our meeting in the home of a particular lady. And in charge of singing will be such and such. In charge of the prayer time will be such and such. And preaching, Laurelie Lovering. And um, I remember thinking, this is what happens when you go away, isn't it? You get volunteered for things. And, but the truth... <laughs> and, and I know if I'd been a good mission worker, I would have said, hooray, I'm only back in the country less than 24 hours and God's already giving me an opportunity to serve and to minister. But because I'm just laurelly lovering, I actually thought, oh man, <laughs> wow, um, I'm feeling really tired. Just 
what have I got to give at this moment? What am I going to share with these ladies? And to be fair, they'd given me at least 36 hours warning. Um, so it's more than usual. And, you know, ample time to pick, pick something. And that was the evening and then the morning. And I woke up and I thought, okay, Lord, would you just show me what you want me to speak on? And I did my devotion. And this was the verse. Um, it's taken from the story of Gideon in Judges. I'm sure we all know the story of Gideon. He was not a natural hero. He was the one that the, the word of the Lord came to whilst he was threshing wheat hidden in the wine press. And he took some convincing to really go with God. And there's this, this wonderful verse, and I remember reading it and just feeling the, the Spirit just say it to me. It said, just go in the strength that you have. Am I not sending you? And I think I can already sense a bit of a theme this morning of how often we, we feel like we really don't have any strength. We're wondering with what God is sending us. I, I don't have, or maybe I've already started and now I realize I don't have as much as I thought I had. And for me, this has been, has been such a precious verse because uh, I really felt at that stage it wasn't that the glass was half empty, it was, it was dry, it was, it was really nothing there. And it reminded me, as we've also been reminded this morning, that God is infinite. He's the creator of heaven and earth. He brought the cosmos into being out of nothing just because he wanted to. So anything that I think I have to offer him is infinitesimally small anyway. Whether I feel full or empty, it's kind of almost the same to him. But the point is he sends us anyway with what we've got, because he's faithful in the calling and faithful in the equipping. So we can go, even when we feel that we're running on empty. That is actually enough for God. He was always going to have to fill in yeah. the shortfall for us. So this has been a kind of a precious verse for me, and I think I'm not so unusual that I'm the only one that feels like this. I think we've worked out this morning that quite a lot of us feel like we're running on empty quite often, uh, and the challenges are too big. But God says to us, just Go with what you have, because he knows what you have. And it was always going to have to be topped up by God anyway. So let's just go with it. So I also want to talk about the work that I do. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll go to a quick geography lesson right now as well. Where is Peru? Any, any, anyone been to Peru here? Raise the hands. Yay! Excellent. We have some. We've been to Peru. So... Uh, they will know, and you will also uh, be familiar, hopefully, with the idea that Peru is on the Pacific coast of South America. Um, it's below Ecuador. It's above Chile. It has borders with Bolivia, Brazil, Colombia. Um, beautiful place. I recommend you all go. Uh, come and visit. And I'm based in a place called Piura. Can you all say Piura? Piura. Excellent. Very good. Um, and that's where I've been for, <laughs> for about the last two years. Um, and it's part of the desert coastal strip of Peru, so all of that area that runs down um, the Pacific coast is basically desert, and it's quite flat, and then you've got the Andes Mountains, which because it's sort of the backbone of the country, and the other side of the Andes um, is the Amazon Basin, and I was based in the Amazon Basin for about nine and a half years before I moved to Piura. So that's the geography. What is it that I do there? I get asked this quite a lot. Um, and it's a fair question because my, my job title is not a typical, it's not a typical sort of mission uh, job title. Um, I am now called a creation stewardship coordinator. Has anyone ever heard of a creation stewardship coordinator? Raise your hand. Um, no, I hadn't heard of one either. And um, 
the truth of the matter is, when it was kind of proposed to me, I thought, I mean, it sounds good. I'm, I'm, I'm an environmentalist by profession, let's call it that. And I would encourage you, if you're sitting there thinking that your, your profession is so niche or just perhaps you just don't see how it can be useful in the, in the kingdom of heaven, if God can use a contaminated land specialist, <laughs> how, much, how niche can you get? Uh, he can use you. So... So I was given this, I was offered this role of creation stewardship coordinator. We can put that up. Oh, yeah, there it is. And, of course, the, the questions in my mind are, first, what is that? Uh, and why is that? Um, BMS, the Baptist Mission Society, we're a mission organization. We're a mission and uh, humanitarian sort of aid organization. Um, but we're not an environmental organization. We're not um, a conservation organization. So why do we need something called a creation stewardship coordinator that no one's ever heard of? Anyway, and I'm, I'm going to dig into this a little bit because it's something I'm very passionate about, but it's also to do with the efficacy of God's word that I just see time and time again. We have to keep digging into God's word, seeing what it actually says to us. Um, but basically, I, so I'll answer the why. Why does an organization, a mission organization, need something called a creation stewardship coordinator? Well, first off, it's a bit of a reality check. Um, BMS, we are a UK-based organization. RFC is a UK-based church. Uh, but we do have the privilege of being able to work in something like 35 countries around the world. We're not the biggest organization of our type. We're not the smallest. But um, we're privileged to be able to, to, to spread ourselves um, and work and collaborate in all of these countries, which is wonderful. But we're increasingly aware that, of course, the countries that we generally work in, let's say 33 out of the 35, are working in countries where they don't have clean access to water or access to clean water. They don't have good food security. That's kind of why we're there. They don't have access to lots of the things that we have. And they're also suffering from various environmental and weather-related issues. And we're increasingly aware that as an organization based in the UK, although I'm not, to a, to a certain extent, you can see how the way we live actually Im is impacting, has already impacted the countries where we're going to proclaim good news. So how do we do that? <laughs> how do we understand that just the very way that we live and believe that's, that we should be able to live in the UK actually can have a negative, is having a negative impact on the countries where we want to proclaim good news? And a lot of that is connected through the environment, how we use resources. So as an organization, we had this great collaboration uh, on, on, well, what does the Bible say about, as Christians, how, how are we supposed to work with, exploit, care for God's creation and all the resources that we all depend on for life and being? What does the Bible actually say? As a Christian organization, we have to have a clear sense of that because everybody's talking about it. The whole world is talking about it. What is the church saying about it? What do we want to say about it as Christians? So because we're British, we created a policy document, uh, <laughs> a nice piece of paper, and uh, it's very... <laughs> It is, it's a really good document, I should say. I mean, it is quite long, but that's because we wanted to anchor it 100% in the Bible. What does the Bible say first? We're not listening to the UN. We're not listening to um, other voices. We wanted to listen to the, the voice of, of God. And so we came up with this policy document, and we, we called it creation stewardship. And even that means a lot to me, because why do we call it creation stewardship? Stewardship isn't a word that we commonly use in everyday language. I mean, maybe you do. I don't. Um, well, I do now because I talk a lot about my work. But 
I wouldn't ordinarily talk about stewardship. So why did we call it creation stewardship and not creation care, for example, which is far more kind of, you know, nice sounding and very popular? Well, it's because of what the Bible says, as far as we could tell. What does the Bible say about our responsibility towards his creation? Does it say anything at all? I think you don't have to go very far to find something. You know, Genesis 1 and 2, bish bash, and we've got some very clear mandates straight away. Um, so what do they say? Genesis 1 talks about God creating man in his image, male and female, and giving him this commission to fill the earth, to multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. We don't like really talking about that, do we? But that's what it says. Subdue it. Have dominion. Take responsibility for govern this that I've created. Genesis 2 talks about a garden that was planted by God. Put the man and later the woman in it. And he said, cultivate it, work it, and take care of it. So in actual fact, we've kind of got four, four terms about this mandate that God has given us as human beings, right? Fill it subdue it, cultivate it, and care for it. So the reason we don't talk about creation care is because it's only part of the picture. If we're strictly following what the word says, creation care is only a small part of the picture. And we wanted to be guided by the word. So we decided to go for this bizarre, slightly niche, even more niche uh, name, creation stewardship. Because stewardship, we think, is a slightly better way of encapsulating what the word says, regardless of what seems most popular or sounds nicer. This is more faithful to the word. So, so we ended up with this policy document with this long name, creation stewardship policy. And it took us about two years as an organization to realize that it's all very well having a policy, but who's actually going to see how you implement it? Basically, that's where yours truly came in. As I say, I'm an I was an environmentalist by profession. I was doing environmental, I was teaching on creation stewardship um, already for a good number of years in the jungle. And as I was handing over my role there to a local guy, which is the best way of handing over work when you do this kind of work, um, and thinking, what's the next step? Lord, what do you have for me? Uh, and as I say, I'd never even heard of this role. The role didn't actually exist yet uh, until I spoke to my colleagues at BMS and they said, actually, how do you fancy implementing the BMS uh, creation stewardship policy? And then when I remembered what it was and thought, oh yes, actually, that would be a good role for me. So that's kind of the why, and it is kind of the what. So it's not your average mission role, but I continue to be just astounded in one sense by how God is faithful. He uses all of us in all of the capacities that we have. As I say, you might be there thinking, what has my job got to do with the kingdom of heaven? I think I thought that for a long time as well. But God has faithfully shown that he can use every type of passion and professional development. He can use a contaminated land specialist, so he can use you. So whatever it is you're doing, do it as unto the Lord. He will use it. He's probably already using it. So that's a little bit about... Um, this weird whole creation stewardship thing uh, that I love. Uh, what does it look like on the ground? So the next slide is about well, what does it look like? Having the theology in place is great, but theology isn't actually any good unless we can put it into practice. So what does it look like for us? And I'm going to talk a bit about this in part because it shows the, some of the challenges that we've had as an organization, but I also want to challenge you as a church, I guess. 
one of the exciting things I get to do, and I work a lot with spreadsheets these days, uh, is to, to calculate the carbon footprint for BMS as an organization. Now, uh, carbon, carbon is, an, is a useful proxy for creation, I suppose, how we use creation. It's not the be-all and end-all, but it is a useful proxy. So amongst the, the various different things that BMS, we are, we are trying to do to put this into practice, good creation stewardship principles, one of these things is counting, trying to see where we are. And obviously, there's a, a big blob there that's over half of um, half of the, the circle, half of the pie chart. And if you can't see that, you can probably guess that's our international flights. Um, so part of my job is thinking, well, OK, is, what can we do about this? Start having conversations. Um, how can we show, what does it mean for us to put these principles into practice? Now that we have a bit of an idea what it looks like, how can we do this? Because as Christians, we have to do this. This is not just something that BMS does, but actually, as Christians in the church also, our faith isn't just something we talk about. It has to be something that we are living, right? The gospel isn't something just to share with other people, but we also share with it by living it ourselves. As Paul says, we have to at least live up to what we have already attained. We have to live the gospel, not just speak it. So I think this idea that, Whatever it is, whatever message we are saying, we have to first, or at least also, show it by what we're putting into practice. So that's important for us too as an organization. And I hope it is important for you as a church. And I, and I put this uh, little sign for the, the, a scheme called the Eco Church um, Award. Has anyone ever heard of Eco Church? Yes, there's a couple of hands there. Wonderful. Um, I get a lot of blank faces when I talk about EcoJurch, so it's good to have three people. Um, you are the new Creation Stewardship Championships of RFC. But in all seriousness, you might be thinking, you know, I, how do we even start looking at this? You might be thinking, we're already down the road thinking about this. But I encourage you, if we want to continue to be relevant, light, and salt in our communities, as I say, everyone is talking about this, but what is the church saying? Are we silent, or do we have something to say? And this is a really good tool for a church to start thinking about what it is they want to say and how they want to say it. Um, it's almost kind of like an audit thing you can use, um, but it starts you thinking about all the different ways in which just what we do shows what we really believe about God's creation and, and our responsibility for it. So, yeah, so for example, for us at BMS, you know, we've decided no more domestic flights, we'll take the train, um, amongst a, a, a various other things. Um, but uh, as well as what we're doing in terms of trying to put our own house in order, we have the, the privilege of being able to come alongside others around the world. As I say, we, we work in about 35 different countries, um, and be able to come alongside others who are also trying to see how they can best steward God's resources in their context. And that means, um, I, I kind of manage a, bit, a small fund now, um, and we're supporting projects that are planting trees, so we, we get the tree hugging in, um, although I don't recommend hugging trees. Um, I would avoid it for you. Lots of ants on a tree. Um, but we also, um, we also support things like solar projects. And the most recent one, which is really exciting for me, and I'm sorry if you'll find it boring, that's very exciting for me. I'll try and make it interesting for you. Um, is this is a solar project in Chad. Now, I think as a church, you probably know more about Chad than most churches I know, um, which is great. So you'll know that Chad um, 
has a lot of needs, let's say, but it is abundant, abundantly resourced in a couple of things, including sand and sunlight. And BMS, we are able to support two churches, not churches, sorry, hospitals. I always get them mixed up, but they're kind of similar. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we, we support these two hospitals in Chad, um, and both of them have a certain amount of solar capacity already. But just before Christmas, I get an email from the hospital manager, who is a missionary. So again, <laughs> if you think that your job cannot be used by the Lord, um, think again. Um, so the hospital manager is a mission worker. He calls me up and he says, we didn't call me up, um, he's from Chad. So he wrote me a, a message and he says, we are expanding the hospital facilities. Um, we have two ways right now of managing the energy requirements of the hospital. We have some solar capacity, but we also have a diesel generator. Um, and he says to me, um, we're thinking about what's the best way to, to power these additional facilities. Are we just going to buy a bigger diesel generator and put more money aside to buy diesel? By the way, I think they get the diesel off a tanker that brings it in from Libya. So it's a fairly vulnerable supply chain, I think you'll appreciate. Um, and he said, well, it doesn't make sense for us to do that. We're a country that has 365 days of sun a year. Why can't we put more solar panels? Simple, really. It's not even necessarily about environment. It's just about people and doing the best possible thing for people around you. Uh, so that's what we decided to do. We were able to support the project. And God's, God gives us these principles for a reason. He gives us these principles for a reason, and we, we ignore them at our peril. So they installed the project. It was all, all plugged in and, and, and running by about by March. And Gareth sends his, his final report, and he says... It's amazing that we got this in just in time. The following month, the cost of diesel in the country doubled and tripled, depending on who you could buy it from. The other organizations in the city were running off of fuel shortages and power outages, but we were able to keep all the power running in the hospital. Praise God. Praise God. That's what makes me passionate about creation stewardship, because it is actually about how to bless one another, how to serve our neighbor in the best possible way, using the resources that God has abundantly given us in a more rational way. Let's go on to the next slide. I could talk all day about that, but I won't. So, so one other thing I wanted to mention, one other of the challenges, you might say, the challenges of taking on a new role, moving to a new place in Peru, where they haven't really heard me talk about or heard anyone talk about creation stewardship before. And I got this question a lot, both directly and indirectly. And it's actually a really important question, of course. What has creation stewardship got to do with the church? Makes sense, perhaps, for a humanitarian organization. But what does it have to do with the church? And I should stress, the churches in Peru, then there are lots of them. Um, and they're very missional. They have a very clear sense that the church is about pointing people to Christ. And anyone want to disagree with that? You can leave now. No, stay, you need to hear this. Um, right? So I don't need to convince them or about evangelism or tree, uh, tree planting. Church planting. Uh, <laughs> it's the tree planting I need to convince them about. But the church planting, they're, they're, they're completely on point with that. Um, they don't need any help with me. In fact, they're, they're, it's, they're drawing me into what they're doing in a, in a, yeah, in a really challenging way challenging in a positive way. But they'd never heard anyone even talk about creation stewardship. And so often they'd, I've had them say quite, quite directly to my face, Laura, we don't really know what you're talking about. But you're here now, so just 
feel free to get on with it. Okay, so what does creation stewardship have to do with the church? I needed to find a way to communicate that in a way that they were going to be able to connect with in their context. It's very different in the jungle, because in the jungle, everyone has their hands dirty in creation every day. But this is an urban context where I am now. It's desert, so people are a little bit more disconnected, perhaps, from creation. But God is good, and his word is perfectly capable of answering the questions that we have. All it takes is for us to be humble, and I needed to be humble at that moment, say, okay, let's go back to Scripture, and Lord, will you show me? There are so many passages that refer to creation, but you need to show me what's going to speak to my brothers and sisters here at this time in this place. And God is faithful, and his word is perfect. It has everything that we need. And the One of the key messages, one of the key passages, sorry, I felt the Lord kind of draw me to was this passage in Colossians, Colossians 1, 15 to 20. And it's an amazing passage, um, if we can put that up. It's an amazing passage. It's a passage uh, really about the the supremacy of Christ, and it's talking about all the ways in which he is supreme, all the the roles that he has uh, that shows that he is supreme over all things. Um, We're going to read that because it's such, a, such an amazing passage. It says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And... He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. It's a powerhouse of a passage, right? I mean, I love reading it. Just, I just love reading it um, because it just tells us how big, how big our Jesus Christ is. But one thing that struck me, as, as I say, I was going back to Scripture and saying, Lord, okay, I'm here now. <laughs> Show me how I need to communicate with my brothers and sisters. And I, and I notice it in this passage. It's about the supremacy of Christ. But if you ask the question, how many of these roles of Christ that demonstrate his supremacy have to do with creation and how many have to do with the church? Now, we're all smart people here. Um, We probably don't need to go back and look at every single one, but we can immediately get the sense that it talks about Jesus. Uh, He is the, so creation is made through him, uh, by him, for him. He is sustaining it even to this day. So there's several already we can can see, we can pick out from uh, this passage. And he's the head of the body of the church. Just the little one there. What does that mean? Of course, that does not diminish Christ's importance in terms of being the head of the church. What I hope it does is that it reminds us just how big Jesus Christ is, how big our Savior is. He's not only my personal Savior, he is that. He's not only the Savior of the world for all of us who would call upon his name, he is that. He also is its creator. He is both savior and creator of the world. He's massive. (laughs) Our God is immense. Our Lord is immense. This is how big he is, right? Let's not just keep him at the level of he's my savior. That's, That's big enough, but he is so much bigger. 
Creation is an integral part of what he is and what he started off this whole panorama of time with. Far be it for us to be indifferent to what he spent and is continuing to spend so much time sustaining, maintaining for us. The church, therefore, we just need to dig into that. We can't say that creation doesn't have anything to do with the church because it's clearly central to just who Jesus Christ is. He's cosmic. <laughs> he literally is cosmic. What does that mean? And I've found by the grace of God, because actually it's his word and the Holy Spirit knows perfectly well how to do the heavy lifting. If we just read scripture together and ask some simple questions, I can see my brothers and sisters who are saying, what has this got to do with the church? Beginning to realize, okay, maybe it's got something. We need to work that out in our context, but we can see that it means something. The word says that we have to be guided by the word. So almost final. Almost final um, slide. So what does it mean? Part of my role um, is, so a big part of my role is sort of the, the wider BMS family around the world and how do we demonstrate good principles uh, in everything that we do. But also, I'm in Peru, so I need to see what does it look like in Peru. And, and the truth is, I didn't know before I got to Piura, where I am now, because I'd never done it there before. But thankfully, I didn't have to know because God had already gone ahead of me and the churches themselves are quite capable of working out what it needs to look like for them. All I needed to do was to, all I needed to do was to get together with them, read scripture. And I keep coming back to the importance of just reading scripture together and letting the Holy Spirit do the heavy lifting. After all, Holy Spirit wrote it, should know how to help us interpret it. We just need to make sure we read it and read it together and try and dig into it. So reading scripture um, together with the churches, helping them look at their, their communities. What are the needs? What could they do with their resources? What is the little bit of strength? Or that, that uh, granito de mostaza. One of the churches I worked in was called granito de mostaza. What grain of, of uh, or, or mustard seed or grain of sand is God saying, just, just use that and I'll do something bigger with it. What does that look like for you? And the churches already knew what they could do. One could see that the very obvious thing to do was do a cleanup in their, in their, in their neighborhood because it's just, they have a real problem with, with solid waste in, uh, in Peru, actually, as uh, a level, uh, level of the country. So let's clean up. And when all the neighbors are thinking, what on earth are these Christians doing? Because Christians don't really do that. You've already got an open door to explain why you're doing it, right? Jesus is savior and creator, creator and savior. It's, it's a no-brainer. And then the other church, um, or one of the other churches that decided, well, let's make a little kiddies play area. We don't have anything like that in our village. It's just a dust bowl. But we have space, we have land, we have, um, we have a well so we can plant trees and plants and we can water them. Um, why can't we do that? So they did that by the grace of God. All I did was help them write some letters and they did all the work themselves. Now they have a play area and all the families in the village come to that play area. The play area, where I'm taking that photo is I'm standing in front of the front door of the church. So they're literally bringing the whole community to the front door of the church. Now we've got to work on how they can get them into the church. But right, we're already getting them to the front door. And I see that creation stewardship, again, God gives us these principles for good reason, because they're good, because that's how we show that we love God also, by how we treat his stuff, his creation, but also because it helps us show who God is, show God's love, bring people to a knowledge of him. It's another way of being able to communicate the gospel, and we need lots of different ways. 
And I think this is one of the ways that the world needs to know that we have a voice, we have a message. Um, the Bible's been talking about creation long, long, long before climate change was an issue. We have a mandate that predates all of that, and the church needs to be on the front line because we've got it. The word speaks on it. Um, how can we ignore that? So I'm passionate about it, as you can see. Um, and I've been blessed to be able to work with some churches. We're trying to do more stuff, do more workshops, get churches to, to, to think for themselves what it looks like for them. And that's a work in progress. I appreciate your prayers for that. So to finish up, that's the last slide now. To finish up, and I, I come back, to, I've got, the, got that little verse up there, to come back to that, the story of Gideon and that, that commissioning that God gave him. Go in the strength that you have, am I not sending you? We know that if God is sending us, whatever little we have is enough for an eternal and infinite God. But it's not just that, is it? It's not just that he's sending us, but also we, are, we know that he goes with us. And as he said to Gideon, I will be with you. I'm not just sending you out and off you go, but I am actually sending you and I am accompanying you. And isn't that just another level for our faith to work on? We know, we know that whatever we have is too small anyway, but God will make it bigger. We know that if he is sending us, he will be faithful to do that. But we also know that we don't walk alone. And what we can't see beyond the next corner God is already there, in fact. So the story of Gideon has been a, been a special one for me, and I hope it can help to, uh, to encourage us as well this morning, wherever you're at, um, in the challenges that you're facing in your life. So to finish, I, I'm very selfish. I've got my own prayer points up there. <laughs> I'm sure you all have your, uh, your own prayer needs as well in your life, in the challenges that you're facing. Um, I want to finish by saying thank you to you, Reading Family Church. For 11 and a half years, you have walked with me um, in this journey that I never quite knew how long it was going to go on for, and we're still here, and you're still here, and, and I know that you still pray for me, and um, I'll say thank you to Becky, who always gets, gets me to send in my prayer points, and it is, I really appreciate it. I think you are, you are appreciating more and more how important it is for those of us who are a long way away to know that there is a family praying for us and uplifting us, upholding us. It's so precious. Um, and without it, well, God uses it. God wants us to pray because he wants to use it. So don't stop praying. There's various prayer points up there, but at this moment I will mention that I do have some prayer cards. It's always weird. BMS does these things, and I have to give out these things with my face on it, which is odd to me. But anyway, there are some prayer cards I've, I've brought with me. Um, they're at the back on the table, amongst some other things as well. Please feel free to just take them with you. Um, but most of all, thank you so much for your prayers. Thank you so much for your support. Can do, please don't stop. <laughs> please don't stop praying. And so praying for me personally, praying for the work of being us, praying for what, what we're doing there, and just praying that we can enrich the church through the word of God and nothing more. It's through the word of God, what it says in that book. It's, it's, it's got everything we need, and we need all of it uh, to be a full witness of what God has called us to. I'm going to pray for you now, <laughs> as you have prayed for me. I would also like to pray for you. Um, will the music group come up as I pray? Wonderful. They can start to do that. Um, but let, me, well, let us pray. I'll pray for you. Heavenly Father, Sovereign Lord, 
We thank you for the liberty we have to come together this morning in this, this place and be open about what we're doing here, praising your name, singing out your name and your works. And we have so much freedom to do that here. Thank you, Lord, for this privilege and let us use it. Let us use it every day. Let us use it richly uh, that other, other people will be able to hear what we're doing, see what we're doing. And, and come to, to want to know more about you. Lord God, we know in so many other countries there isn't this liberty, this isn't this, there isn't this freedom, but we thank you that here there is. And I pray that you would help us, Lord, to stand up to be light and salt in this community and in this town. Continue to be so, Lord. And the plans that you have for the future, that you would guide the leadership here, you would guide them, continue to guide them into all that you have for Reading Family Church and the people of Reading. Lord God, we thank you that beyond Reading, there's a whole world, there's a whole cosmos that you have created, that your first work was to bring this into being by your word alone and to give us as human beings made in your image. No other creature under heaven has that crown, but you have given it to us and you gave us this responsibility to govern what you had created and to show our love for you through that and to show love for our neighbor by how well we manage what you've put into our hands. Lord, give us wisdom. Give us discernment. How should we do this as individuals, as churches? What should we do? Show us the way, Lord, to, com to complete, to bring to completion this witness, this testimony that we want to give, how you have touched every aspect of our lives to be transformed for you, by you, Lord. Lord, only you have salvation. We won't save the world by good works, but Lord, we want to be found being faithful to you when you come again to restore all things. Lord God, I pray for each one of my brothers and sisters this morning. You know the challenges they are facing. You know the challenges they're going back to. And Lord, we give you thanks that you are going with us as well as sending us. You accompany us and you show us where we need to go and you resource us with what we need because you are everything we need and more. Lord, thank you. We just offer praise to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everybody.